Well, welcome everybody to week two of Outrage. This series of messages in which we are exploring how to live and love like Jesus in the age of rage. And whether you're joining us in person at one of our campuses or streaming online, I am just so glad that you are here. You know, I think there's one thing that, that I think pretty much all of us can agree on, and that is the fact that anger has become the new normal in our culture, right? We, we sort of live all the time with this escalated sense of anger or, or frustration. It's sort of all around us. Let's just be honest, we're mad about a lot of things, right? We, we're angry about politics, we, we're angry about religion, we're, we're angry about wearing masks or people who don't wear masks, we're angry about what people put on Facebook, we're angry about college football referees making horrible calls, destroying our team's chances for winning. Well, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only one angry about that today, but anger has become a daily part of our lives. And what is happening is, as this anger is sort of filling us up, we have a tendency to take that anger out on the people who are different from us. If people think differently, vote differently, have a different perception of life, we tend to see them not as people who just have a different perspective or a different set of experiences. We see those people who are different as evil, mean, bad people who are trying to destroy our country and therefore we must destroy them either virtually on Facebook or on the streets of our city. And the reality is all of that emotion, all of that anger is doing damage not only to us physically and emotionally, but spiritually as well. But here's some good news. While all of this anger is making life more difficult and stressful, guess what it is also doing? It is also creating a great opportunity for us as Christ followers to truly make an impact in our world. We have an opportunity to make a bigger difference with how we live and love than any election, any vote could ever do. This is a great opportunity for us, church, to be at our best, when the world is at its worst. As I shared with you last week, the darker the world becomes around us, the greater our opportunity to shine. And we do that not by looking like the culture, doing what other people are doing. We shine when we are different from the culture around us. Not my words. God's words. Notice Philippians chapter two. Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Why? So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. 
And so today, I wanna look at one of the best ways for we as Christ followers to shine in our culture, and that is simply to be kind. To be radically kind in a world that is radically unkind. And to help us do that, we're gonna look at one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told. In fact, I think it's probably one of the most famous stories in the entire Bible. It's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's found in the Gospel of Luke, the New Testament book of Luke in the 10th chapter. So if you have a Bible, or a Bible app, or you're watching online, just click to that. If you've got a printed outline in person, you can follow along on that. We're gonna go through this familiar story and maybe see it in a way that you've never seen it before. Because most of us kind of know that the story of the Good Samaritan is a story about kindness. It's about helping somebody in need. But what we also need to recognize is that the story of the Good Samaritan is a story about a radical kind of kindness, a radical kind of helping others. Because see, Jesus tells this parable, tells this story to a Jewish audience in response to a question by a Jewish religious leader, an expert in the law. And this expert in the law, the Jewish law, asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a question a lot of people still ask today. What do I have to do to get into heaven? And Jesus, as he often does, answers a question with a question. He says, well, you're an expert in the law, the law of Moses, you're a Jew, what does Moses' law say about inheriting eternal life? And the Jewish man says, well, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, bingo, Yahtzee, ding, 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 you win, you've got it. Well, the guy not satisfied with that answer, more than likely because he was looking for a loophole, not on the love God part, that's the easy part. He was probably struggling with the idea of love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, it's one thing to love people who look like you, think like you, vote like you, but I gotta love other people who look and think and vote differently. And so the guy asked, seeking a loophole, well, who is my neighbor? And it's the answer to that question to which Jesus answers with the story of the Good Samaritan. Now you have to understand the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. The most interesting thing about the parable of the Good Samaritan is the fact that Jesus chose a Samaritan to be the hero of this story that he was telling to a whole bunch of Jews. Because if you think racial tension is bad in our culture today, it is nothing compared to the racial tension that existed in the first century between Jews and Samaritans. I mean, they hate, hated each other. Not undercover hate, right? Not passive, I'm talking about outward hate for each other. Jews hated Samaritans, Samaritans hated Jews. In fact, Jews regularly referred to Samaritans as dogs, called them dogs. But here's the thing, they did it in polite society. 
It's not something they just said with their group of their friends. They used the D word towards Samaritans on a regular basis and everybody was okay with it. That was the tension that exists. For Jesus to make a Samaritan a hero of this story would be like telling a story to a group of Holocaust survivors and making the hero a Nazi perpetrator. Or telling a story to a a group of African-Americans and making the hero of the story a Ku Klux Klaner. That's how dramatic it was. Listen, this ain't just a story about being kind. This is a story about radical kindness. This is a story about a kindness that is so countercultural that it shook the world. And I believe, church, it's an opportunity right now, this generation, this season, for us to be radically kind in a way that shocks the world around us. Now, most of you know the story, but just in case, Reader's Digest condensed version of the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus said a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to the city of Jericho. Now, right then, everybody in the crowd would have known immediately what road this guy was on because there was really only one road to go from Jerusalem to Jericho. And because Jerusalem is built up on a hill and Jericho is down in the valley, it is a mountainous road. It's a downhill road. So it is full of switchbacks and hairpin curves. And because it's a road like that, it was the perfect place for robbers and thieves to attack people. Because you you couldn't see what was coming around the curve. There There were great ways to hide and lay in wait. And so people were frequently attacked, robbed, beaten, raped. It was a bad road. Most people never went down this road by themselves and rarely would they ever go down it with a sack of money in their pocket. But Jesus said this man was traveling down the road and he fell into a group of thieves. They beat him nearly to death, stripped him naked, stole his money, threw him in the ditch and left him for dead. And the Jews would say, well, serves him right. You shouldn't be walking down that road by yourself with money. But Jesus said, but wait a minute. Soon after, a priest, a Jewish priest was coming down the road and all of the audience would go, here comes the hero. Priest is gonna jump in. The preacher's gonna help out. But Jesus said, no. The priest saw the man in the ditch. He crossed to the other side of the road and kept on going. People were like, what? He must have been busy. Surely the preacher had a good excuse for not helping somebody. But Jesus said, well, a little bit after that, a Levite came traveling down that same road. And they're going, oh yeah, now the Levite, maybe he's gonna be the hero. Which by the way, just for clarification, a Levite is not a blue jean salesman. A Levite is a Jewish temple assistant. Be like an associate pastor, a campus pastor is coming down the road and they think, surely he's gonna help because he's not as busy as the other pastor. And so, and, but Jesus said, no, he went over the road. He looked down in the ditch at the man and I don't know, it doesn't say what he said, but I imagine he probably thought something like, ooh, dude, you're in bad shape. But then he keeps on walking and the people are shocked. And then Jesus said, but then down that same road came a Samaritan. And I can just hear the Jews in the back of the crowd going, boo, hiss, the Samaritan. But Jesus said, you know what that Samaritan did? He stopped. He got down in the ditch. He bound up the man's wounds. He, he picked him up and placed him on his donkey and carried him to the next inn down the Jericho Road. And he stayed with him overnight. And when he left the next morning, he left his visa card at the front desk and said, if this dude needs anything before I come back, cover it, I will pay the cost. It's a radical kindness. And as we unpack this story, it's going to show us clearly three attitudes 
and three actions that can lead every one of us to practice radical countercultural kindness. So let's start with the attitudes because after all, kindness always starts with an attitude. Kindness doesn't start with an action. It starts with an attitude. And there are three attitudes we can have towards hurting people around us that are demonstrated by all through people who walk down that Jericho Road. Now, before we look at these attitudes, let me just say up front, you are not one of these attitudes. You have all of these attitudes. Because see, I know how you are. You'll hear this story, see this message, and you go, yeah, I'm the Good Samaritan. I'm the Good Samaritan kind of guy. Some days you are, but some days you're the priest. Someday you're the leader. We can have all three of these attitudes in the same day. So this is not you pick one attitude you most have. This is something all of us struggle with when it comes to helping hurting people all around us. So let's look at them. Number one, the first attitude we can have towards hurting people around us is avoidance. The attitude of avoidance. If I ignore, if I pretend I didn't see, then I'm not responsible. That's what the priest does, right? Notice verse 31. It says, a priest happened to be going down the same road And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side, the other side of the road. In other words, the priest's attitude is, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm a busy man. I got stuff to do. You didn't travel from Jerusalem to Jericho if you didn't have business in Jericho. He just didn't have time. He's too busy. So just pretend like you didn't see. He doesn't just walk past. He goes to the other side of the road. In other words, out of sight out of mind. And many times we display that attitude when we say to ourselves, best not to get involved. I probably shouldn't. Just keep everything on the surface. We're like the penguins in the Madagascar movie, right? Just smile and wave, but don't stop. Don't help. Don't do anything. It is an attitude of avoidance. Another attitude we have for hurting people around us is apathy. The attitude of apathy I mean, I see they're hurt, right? I'm, I'm not oblivious. I'm not pretending I don't see and going to the other side. I see it. I just don't act on it. I don't care enough to do anything. The attitude of apathy is basically this. I am aware and I stare, but I don't really care. Isn't that what the Levite did? Look, verse 32 says, next, the Levite came down there and after look, he went over and looked at the man. Then he walked on by on the other side of the road. See the difference? Like, okay, the way Jesus tells it and the way it is is communicated to us in the English translations appears to say that the priest is walking down this side of the road. The ditch where the man is is on that side of the road. As soon as he sees him, he crosses over. But the Levite, the story seems to say, the Levite was already on this side of the road. He crossed over, looked down at the man at the ditch and said, hmm, that's bad. And then he kept on going, right? Different attitude, same result. You know where I see this attitude in my life? I mean, I know you don't have it in yours because you guys are way more spiritual than I am. But in my life, do you know where this apathy attitude towards the pain of others occurs most often? in my morbid curiosity with the pain of others. If somebody's going through something bad, if there's a scandal, 
right? If there's some juicy gossip about somebody, oh, I love to stare. I love to listen. I love to watch TMZ. I love to read People Magazine. I love to watch other people's lives fall apart and stare at a distance and be entertained by it. Let me tell you something, church. Our world needs a little less TMZ and a little more TLC. We need to stop being so hung up in loving the juicy gossip of the pain of others and we need to care enough to go out and at least pray for them and their family. I ought to at least pray for the damage. I ought to do something about it. At least not participate, right? People around us, I mean, their lives are falling apart. They are in ditches, bleeding to death and we're like what we do when we see a wreck on the interstate. We slow down and stare, but whew, I gotta keep on going. That's an attitude of apathy. And it doesn't lead to radical kindness. But the third attitude, the attitude we need if we're gonna be radically kind is an attitude of action. An attitude of action. So I'm, I'm gonna do something, right? I'm not just gonna see them. I'm not just gonna be curious about them. I'm going to act on their behalf. That's what the Samaritan does, verse 33 and 34. It says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, notice, he took pity. He felt sorry for him. But look, then he went to him and bandaged his wounds. He felt compassion and he was moved to action. This is the attitude that leads to radical kindness. And this is what our world needs. And this is what I believe is our greatest opportunity, church, to impact this culture that we live in. Because kindness is all about action, right? I mean, that's what kindness is, love in action. Let me say that again. Kindness is love in action. So how do we act? Same way the Good Samaritan does. If we look at how the Good Samaritan responds, we see very practical ways that we can respond in kindness. In fact, three of them, you might wanna write these down. One, you wanna show radical kindness, first thing you have to do, sympathize with the pain of others. Sympathize with the pain of others. All kindness starts with sympathy. Sympathy for what somebody's going through, sympathy for what they're dealing with, and sympathy through the things they've been through that have led them into the ditch. We're all aware of the pain of people around us, right? You see it every night in the news. You see it in your own neighborhood. It is splattered across the pages of Facebook. Listen, it's not just the coronavirus that is spiking in our community. We're seeing spikes in anxiety and depression like never before. We're seeing spikes in addiction and suicide. A spike in unemployment, spikes in child abuse. Let me tell you something, the ditches of our Jericho Road have never been fuller than they are right now. Do you care about those people? Do you sympathize? Do you care enough to get involved, to do something? The Good Samaritan did. Verse 33, I love this from the Good News Translation. It says he, talking about the Good Samaritan, when he saw him, the man in the ditch, his heart was filled with what? What's that word? Say it out loud. Pity, right? Everybody walking down the road saw the man in the ditch. Only one 
felt sympathy for him. You know why? I believe because the good Samaritan could see himself in that ditch. I guarantee the priest thought he's way too good. He, you know, he's got a good job. He's got good money. He'll never end up in a ditch. Levite the same way. I'd never be in the ditch. The Samaritan knew. Maybe he'd been in a ditch before, but he knew he could be in that ditch. He looked into the eyes of that bleeding man in the ditch and said, there, but for the grace of God, go I. See, we look at the people in the ditches and go, well, they made bad choices. You know, they made bad, that's how they ended up in the ditch. Maybe they did, but let me tell you something, nobody wants to be in the ditch. And maybe they did make bad choices that led them into that ditch. But I guarantee you there were also things outside of their control that put them in the ditch. See, we see the pain of people around us and we go, what's wrong with them? If we wanna be radically kind, we gotta change the question. We need to stop asking what's wrong with them and ask ourselves what happened to them. What happened to them? And to recognize it could happen to us. I could be homeless. I could be addicted. I could have a mental health condition. I could lose my job. I could be broke. I could lose my marriage. We could all be in the ditch. And until you recognize that, You'll never be radically kind to the hurting people around you. Sympathize, recognize you can be there. Number two, second thing we gotta do, seize the moment. You gotta seize the moment. Most opportunities for radical kindness are one-shot deals. You know, maybe the priest got down the road a mile or two, felt conviction. Maybe he turned around and came back, but by that time, the guy wasn't in the ditch anymore. I've had times in my life where I've seen somebody broken down on the side of the road. I'm in a hurry, living my self-important life, doing all these things that I think are important for the kingdom of God and drive right past somebody in need. Fortunately, usually when I get a half mile down the road, the Holy Spirit will convict me and I turn around. But a lot of times I turn around, somebody else has already helped or that person's already started walking on their own. These opportunities for radical kindness are there and they're gone. We have to seize the moment. You know, the good Samaritan doesn't just see, doesn't just sympathize, he seizes the moment. Look, verse 34. It said, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. That thing seems strange to us, right, about the pouring oil and wine. You know, what does he think, the guy's a salad or something? Why is he pouring wine and oil on him? Because he used what he had to help however he could. You know, wine has alcohol in it. It's a disinfectant. They say oil is soothing for wounds. You know, it said he bandaged his wounds. I guarantee you this guy didn't have a box of Curad Band-Aids in his donkey's saddlebag. How'd he bind up his wounds? Probably with his own shirt or his own tunic. My point is, he used what he had to do what he could in that moment. Seize the moment. See, so many times we see hurting people around us and we go, well, you know, I'm probably not the right person to help them. I don't have the training. I don't have the resources. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But let me tell you something. When you are in the ditch, you're not hoping for the right person to come along. You're hoping for anybody to come along. Anybody that will get in there and do what they can. See, so many of us shy away 
from the hurting people around us, not because we're hard-hearted, mean people. It's because we are overwhelmed by their brokenness and pain. We're like, I don't know what to do. I'll probably make it worse. But let me tell you something. As somebody who woke up one day and found themselves in a ditch two years ago, hit by a bus of grief that was never seen coming. As somebody who's been in the ditch, desperate for something, I wasn't laying in there hoping for the right people with the right answers to the right questions. I was just begging God that somebody would show up and shut up and just sit with me. That's what hurting people need. They don't need you to solve their problems. If you think your job is to fix their problem, you misunderstand who God is and who you are. He is the healer. He is the chain breaker. He is the restorer. Your job is just to show up and practice the ministry ministry of presence so that hurting people will know they're not laying in that ditch alone. That's what radical kindness looks like. And then the third thing we have to do is we have to spin whatever it takes. To spin whatever it takes. Kindness will always cost you Radical kindness will cost you dearly. It will take great sacrifice. And most of the time, it's not about money. Listen, if money could fix the problems of hurting people around us, they'd have been fixed a long time ago in the last 60 years. There's no telling how much money our government has spent on social programs and to try to help people. If it was a money problem, it could have been fixed. But it is a sacrifice situation. If you're gonna help hurting people in the ditches of your Jericho Road, it's gonna cost you some of your time. It may cost you your reputation with the people who are like you. If you reach out, if you respond to a Facebook post from the other side, the other team, and you respond with kindness, let me tell you something, the people who are on your side will not like that. It may cost you your reputation with your own tribe. It's definitely going to cost you your own desires, your own timetable. It's going to cost you something, but it's definitely investment worth making. You know what amazes me most about this good Samaritan? It's not just that he got in the ditch with a Jew who hated him, but it's what he did once he got down in that ditch. Verses 34 and 35. This is then he put the man on his own donkey he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. And then notice it says the next day, you know what that means? He stayed there all night. And then he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Talk about going above and beyond. That, it's radical kindness for a Samaritan to get in the ditch with a Jew it's even more radically kind to go that extra mile. So let me ask you, what's keeping you from being radically kind? Is it fear? Fear that if you're kind to other people, especially people on the other side, if you're kind to them, you'll be taken advantage of? Yeah, you might be. But understand this, you follow a savior who was willingly taken advantage of because of his love and his desire to change this world. Maybe it's just your busyness. 
so busy with so many things that seem so important that you're going so fast you don't even see the hurting people in the ditches around you. Or maybe if we're just real honest, we're just so self-absorbed. We're so into our own little bubble and our own little world and all the things that we think life is about, we miss the ultimate purpose of our life here on earth. Listen, if we're gonna live out this counter cultural mission that Jesus has called us as his followers to do, we're gonna have to make some sacrifices to be radically kind. You know, I've been thinking a lot this week about the journey that God has taken our church on, this place called Cedar Creek Church. When almost 30 years ago, God laid on the heart of our founding pastor, Richard Swift, to plant a church specifically for the unchurched to plant a church where people in the ditches who couldn't feel accepted or maybe even wouldn't be accepted in some churches, a place where people broken and wounded and bleeding could come and be welcomed and loved and walked with through Jesus' restorative journey. And man, they built it and they came. Thousands of people in our community from the ditches of life. God used this church family to bring hope and healing. Some of you are still here today and that's awesome. But we also recognize having this one location on the south side of Aiken. There were people in ditches on the Jericho Road in the outreaches of our community that wouldn't come, wouldn't show up. And so what do we do 15 years ago? 11 years ago, God laid on our heart to open campuses in further places down the Jericho Road to help the people in the ditches of that Jericho Road, and they came. But let me tell you something. As I think about the next 10 years, it's not about building more hospitals on the Jericho Road because let me tell you something. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but all across our nation, people aren't coming to church the way they used to. Church people aren't coming to church the way they used to. So I promise you, hurting and broken people in the ditch, they don't even think the church cares about them. They'll just judge them. And so instead of building more hospitals along the Jericho Road, I believe what God has called us as a church to in these next 10 years is to get out of our seats and as we walk up and down those Jericho Roads to be radically kind to the hurting people in the ditches, to sacrifice, to seize the moment, to care about others and to be his heart and his hands and his feet all along the Jericho Road. Now that church That's something I'm willing to give every breath of every moment for the rest of my life for. Are you? Do you just wanna hear messages about radical kindness? Or do you wanna look for chances for you to be radically kind? I'm gonna ask you to do something. All of our campuses online, I want you to do this for me. I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes right now. And I just want you to ask yourself, What does it look like for me to follow you, Jesus? What would radical kindness look like? Who's in the ditches of your Jericho Road? Maybe it's somebody struggling with addiction. Maybe it's somebody struggling with a mental health challenge. Maybe it's somebody struggling, they got the perfect job, the perfect family, and the perfect life on Facebook, but the reality is it's dark and lonely behind those closed doors. Who's in your ditches, in your little world?
And then what are you going to do about it? God, help us be a people who shine like stars in the night sky. Not because of how we vote or how we respond politically, not by how much we have our lives together, but by how ridiculously and radically kind we are to the broken people who fill the ditches of life all around us. God, make us a people who make a true difference in your name. Amen.